Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an ath- student athlete will ever face the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I'm here with Andrew Meskevich on the podcast. Andrew is a fencer who went to Penn State, graduated in 2018, and was a two-time NCAA Division I champion, fencing champion. Andrew and I talk about a lot of different topics, um, you know, everything from immigrating to bouncing around between the U.S. and Canada with his family to ultimately growing up in the suburbs of Boston and the impact that, you know, having a different culture was like on his experience as an adolescent, um, opening up about his own mental health struggles as a collegiate athlete and how important talking to others is when you're going through a darker period. I am also very grateful Andrew opens up even more about his story in a written piece featured on our mental matchup sites titled Navigating the Unconventional, Our Struggles. I am very, very honored that in between, you know, training for Paris 2024 and and work in his own brand, December 12th Studios, Andrew wanted to come on and share his story with all of you. So with that, let's get right into the conversation. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on The Mental Matchup. I am beyond excited to have you on. I think you are my first fencer on the podcast. I could be wrong, um, but I'm excited to learn more about you, learn more about the sport and all the things in between. So to kick us off, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And first and foremost, like thanks for having me on the uh, on the show um i'm 27 years old i am living in lower east side new york city where i work for sony music entertainment and i train in the afternoon for paris 2024 where i have my sights for gold and i've competed in the tokyo olympics in 2020 been fencing for 19 years now i kind of lost track um and yeah, just as I'm trying to go for Paris, uh, I mean, yeah, for Paris, uh, just getting involved in all these other things as well, just to um, get this goal and this dream uh, propelled forward. So cool. Um, what was growing up like? Like, where where did you grow up? What were, if any, conversations around mental health? How did you get into fencing? Give us the rundown. All right, awesome. I guess I'll start from the top. My parents are immigrants from Poland, and they came to New York City when I was around like five months pregnant, uh, when my mom was pregnant with me. And from there, um, my dad didn't get a working visa, so we bounced around like a military family, but not a military family. Ended up in Canada for seven, six years before residing where I've been living most of my life outside of Boston in a town called Westwood. And from there, I played hockey in Canada because everyone plays hockey in Canada. <laughs> and uh, when I was playing tennis and soccer here in the U.S. And then 
with my love for Star Wars and my parents getting fed up with me and my brother beating each other up with toy lightsabers, <laughs> they, yeah, found a private club um, town next over from us and signed us up. And the rest is pretty much history with my fencing. Um, I didn't like the sport at first because it was so niche and it was so different. You know, most of my friends in school were playing American sports like baseball, football, uh, lacrosse. And there was me who was just like poking people with swords. And at a very young age, people kind of get a misinterpretation of what it is. Um, and when there's things that are a little confusing, people don't really understand. They're quick to judge. So I had a really hard time finding my love for it at first. And I had a hard time in middle school uh, specifically for, you know, being in the sport. And I never really got along with American boys because of my like European background with my parents, um, you know, having European traditions, I never really understood or never like got involved with like, American culture until I was much older where I was in college and this whole like college <laughs> culture got like immersed into me, uh, into my life. Was my first football game in college, not to get off topic or anything, but that was like, wow. <laughs> Like pretty crazy. Even and at Penn State too, I feel like that's quite the experience. Oh my god! Like definitely <laughs> top three craziest sporting experiences I've ever had in my life. I mean, just the crowd itself is just um, unexplainable. Um, it just gets so chaotic. And anyway, um, then within my fencing in high school, something clicked, and I like overnight became a fencing sensation. Um, and I was breaking records for my age group of 16 and under, 19 and under. And then by the time I finished high school, um, making numerous world championship teams, I was already competing at the top level, making my first senior national world world team um, as a senior in high school before going to college. Um, and then from there, went on to get a full ride at Penn State, full scholarship, um, athletic scholarship, where I won back-to-back national titles freshman, sophomore year, I was making Dean's List every year. And then junior year, I kind of like hit a wall where I started tumbling um, mentally. And that's where my journey within mental health kind of came to fruition. I feel like there's so much to unpack. And where I really want to start, because I don't think we've I've ever had a guest to kind of like dive deep into this. And, and you touched on it a little bit with like the differences in culture. And I'm sure also having parents who are immigrants and like they're maybe being a language barrier and you being labeled as like that kid. Can you kind of speak on like how that impacted you kind of growing up a little bit more like in depth? Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, being the sport that was so different, I felt like an outsider in um, my like public schooling system. And once that overnight sensation where I started like traveling at the age of 15 to like different parts of the US and even internationally, I started getting this like rep of being like this phenomenal like athlete in my high school. And at a time, you know, I'm 15 years old, 16 years old, going from like being overlooked to being like this like athletic sensation in my high school. Um, and I love the attention. I mean, it was something that I didn't get past. I got this praise and um, I was that kid to be known for being out of school and being traveling around the world more than being actually in the classroom. 
Uh, fun fact, I had to have the United States Fencing Association president write a letter to my high school to uh, let me graduate because my school was concerned that I was missing too many days of school. Uh, that was to the extent of how much school I was missing. Uh, so like my life was involved around the sport. Um, at the time, I was in love with it. And um, it was who I was, you know, I was this fencing kid and I just like propelled myself into it and um, kind of became this new persona of who I am or who I was, where like everything I was was just athleticism and, and fencing. And I carried it to everywhere I went. Um, you know, in college, I was known as that like fencing kid, the fencing guy who won, you know, back to back national titles. Um, and going from like this outsider, like I mentioned, to being like praised in all directions in this like niche sport, um, kind of, you know, became overwhelming. I kind of lost a sense of like who I actually was inside. You know, deep down, I'm this like nerd. I'm this geek who loves Star Wars. You know, this is why I got into the sport. And, you know, I became this like molded persona um, to just like fit the part that like, I guess people wanted me to play as, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think what people probably like resonate with listening, listening to you say that is like the identity piece and. I'm kind of curious, like, do you attribute really immersing yourself in this fencing identity to like, like, I guess, like, looking back, can you probably identify like that time where you went from like your identity might not have been in fencing to, oh, I'm getting all this praise, like I'm going to lean into this and this is who I am and almost like validating yourself on the like praise and adoration from being a fencer does that make yeah. sense <laughs> yeah i would say yeah no totally um i know it can be like somewhat of an ambiguous question even more of an ambiguous answer but i think um it was like at the get-go when i started traveling internationally um i was a sophomore in high school um and i went from like not making any results in fencing um just getting to these competitions and like my friends were kicking my ass in all these tournaments to like I was winning and meddling at every single event I was going to and that's one piece of the confidence I was getting and then with the results I was getting all this like praise outside the fencing strip and I kind of combined the two I was like all right the better I do like the more praise I get um and I really liked it you know I like wanted to be um damn, I'm trying to find the right words to explain this, but I'm sure like people can resonate. Like you just, you feel good. It's like this, like, you know, persona, it's like mentality that like, you know, the better you do, the more praise you get from like outside forces. Um, was it a lack of like self um, love and just like looking for outside like places for to fill in that gap? I'm not sure. Um, but I would say like in high school, it's when this persona started changing between like this, um, shy nerdy kid to this like go happy go lucky um athletic jock <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah um I'm I have no idea how fencing works and I'm sure people listening have no idea can you give us like a quick little rundown of like the sport and you know how you win and <laughs> all of that fun <laughs> stuff 
right. Um, yeah, so it's very different than like your regular sport. If you're familiar with Formula One, I know it's getting huge in the US because of the Netflix show. Um, you know, these drivers, they go to several Grand Prix and depending how they finish, they get a certain amount of points. The better you finish, the more points you get. Mm-hmm. Same thing in fencing. We have these domestic competitions and depending on your place, you get a certain amount of points and those points uh, calculate your national ranking. And if you're top 12 in the U.S. for age group, you qualify for the international events where you gain even more points depending on your finish. And at these international events, you this is where you start uh, collecting your points for a world ranking. Catching along? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And at the end of the season, top four in the U.S. per age group qualify for their respective world championships. And if it's Olympic year, top four qualify for the Olympics. So it's pretty cutthroat. Um, yeah. You know, travel with, with like 12, 11 of your other teammates, and we're all trying to like pedal to the medal to get these points, depending on how we finish to qualify for the end of the year world championships, or if it's Olympic year for the Olympics. That was going to be my question was like, um, there's no, like ever all fencers are fencing each other. Like there's no different, like in wrestling, there's like weight classes. Like there's no, are there like different classes and subsets or it's just like, you're kind of um, an individual it's, it's on your age own. Group. If you age out of your age group, you move on to the next one. Um, okay. If you're at a younger age, you can always qualify for an age above you. Um, but like you said, there's no height, there's no weight class. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, you know, you can go to these competitions and you can run into a fellow American, um, a fellow teammate, like you all represent team USA, but at the end of the day, you are, you know, um, competing for yourself. Okay. Okay. Very individual of a sport, which I feel like individual sports are, incredibly tough and can be mentally um it i feel like it's a like a blessing and a and a curse yeah um yeah um what was i know you kind of touched on in college you, you know talking about your mental health but up until you you got to college and and stepped on campus what was your mental health like growing up um it was fine i mean like looking back i really like didn't worry too much about it um like i always heard about like other people like you know taking care of their mental health or struggling but i never really understood it i guess like for me i was such a carefree worried person that i just like was so in the present that i wouldn't let like things in the past or things in the future like worry about me um you know, sometimes I look back and I'm like, how was I like this? Like, who was this person, you know, that I was, that like was able to like adventure through life like this? Um, you know, there's a lot of stresses in college. And I know like a lot of student athletes that will be listening on this can like totally understand how like we have to juggle multiple balls with, you know, school, uh, traveling for, for tournaments or, you know, our respective sport and also the training that we had to do in the mornings or afternoons. Um, but for me, I was like on my high horse. I was making Dean's list every single semester. Um, I was able to keep up with a social life and, um, you know, compete, train for my, my sport for fencing. Yeah. So let's, well, before we get into college, what is the recruiting process like for 
fencing. I imagine like the fencing community is, correct me if I'm wrong, relatively small. Um, but like, I guess like, what was that process like? What was timing? And how did you end up at Penn State of all places for fencing? Like when I think of Penn State, I think lacrosse and football, you know, not <laughs> NCAA champion fencing. Um, Penn State actually has the most national titles out of any sport. Uh, wow. Fencing, yeah. I think we have 14 national titles now, 13, um, which is a lot. It's crazy. And being part of that program is, you know, was was amazing. But to your point, yeah, fencing is a very small niche sport in the US, but at the same time, it's very big. So like people very much know where they're going um, um, early on. And for me, I had a few offers. Um, I knew I wanted to go to Penn State for the longest time. And if it wasn't for this athletic scholarship, I would probably follow my siblings to go to school in Canada since we're Canadian and save a dollar or two uh, <laughs> and um, not have my parents have so much of a headache or take out student loans. I did not want to take student loans out. And so I had this opportunity to get a full ride to Penn State and um, knowing how the program was at the time, um, it was like a no brainer for me to go there. And so to the recruiting process. Um, it's a very small niche sport, like you said. So like a lot of college coaches um, very much early on, like know who are the uh, top talents of the sport. And then they also have, you know, their um, conversations with other fencers as well who are involved in their programs. I wouldn't say it's that much different than other sports, to be honest. Okay, got it. So you graduate high school, you're kind of like doing your thing, winning all these competitions, you get to campus. What was that transition period from high school to college? And more importantly, like not just like academically, but athletically, I feel like the transition for a lot of people is really challenging. Like what was your experience like your freshman year? <laughs> uh, like I said, I was go happy, go lucky. Um, I wasn't too worried about anything. I just wanted to get on the strip and fence um, for Penn State and, you know, show my worth. You know, I was this prospect that came on and I just wanted to show it to the team what I was capable of. I was, and I'm sure my teammates at the time can agree, I was a little hot-headed. Um, I got a nickname Princess on the team early on as a freshman. Uh, due to like my like hot headiness and competitiveness I wanted uh, in and out of practice um so yeah I mean for me it was quite a natural um, transition I was really excited to go to school obviously there's like this anxiousness and nervousness of you know starting something new but within like the first few weeks I was like all right this is um a good spot for me um, I feel very comfortable on the team and like everything that I was doing at the time. And you ended up winning not just one, but two NCAA titles. Yeah, I didn't understand the collegiate circuit at, uh, <laughs> of fencing. And I was like, oh, I hope I make like All-American like sometime in my collegiate career. Like that would be nice. Like, you know, finish top eight um, or second team All-American. Um but like I said, like getting this praise, like I want like from the team and like, you know, um, getting this attention, like I wanted to prove that I was like worth what people thought I was. And so 
I went in kicking ass, um, if I can say that on this podcast. Totally. Um, cool. Um, and I don't even remember the day of competing. I just knew like I felt good, like I felt good competing. And um, and then this following year, there was like rumors that it was a fluke. That was like a, a one time wonder. And so I just had to do it again. Um, back to back. Yeah. Love it. Um, okay. Now I, I want to get into like the mental health piece. Cause I feel like you were really successful. You kind of had this air of like, it's going to work out. I'm going to work harder, you know, prove people wrong. And you were able to ultimately execute on that, like at the highest level collegiately and against like the best of the best in the US, right? Not once, but twice as a freshman and a sophomore, which is like when I think back to when I was like a freshman and a sophomore compared to like junior, senior, like your body's still developed. Like, I feel like you're just like, you don't realize, I guess in the moment you don't realize how like young you are and then you become a senior you're and you're a kid. like, you're a yeah, kid. you're a child. I'm a child. Yeah, you and you, I feel like I got to school and I was like, oh, I'm like, not hot shit in like a confident way, but like, oh, no longer under my parents roof. Like, I know who I am. I know what I want to do. And then it's all of a sudden you're like, wait, I actually, mom, like, where are you? I'm not prepared for this. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so you do all these things. And then your junior year comes what, what kind of is the difference? Like what, what kind of what did you go through that year? And I, I really want to dive into that. Yeah. Um, um, that was probably one of the most shocking and like change of like the wind, if that's the right expression of like where my life was going to go after, um, you know, after hitting this like super high um emotions of like doing well academically doing well in my sport um getting this praise and everything I just hit a wall I went into junior year becoming the captain of my the, of the fencing program and um it was also Olympic qualification year for the 2016 Rio games um and I started having an identity crisis I started like questioning pretty much everything that's ever happened in my life and questioning who I was and where I want to be going and what I want to be doing. And I felt at that moment that I put myself in a box. I felt like I molded myself into this persona that other people want, like perceive me as um, having this like reputation of being like the successful fencer and whatnot and like leaning towards it. I like started thinking okay who am I outside of this this box that I put myself into and it was really hard for me to answer that and I started spiraling because of it um to a point where I was getting moody I was fell into this super depressive state and super anxious I didn't know if I even want to continue fencing um and I fell into this really, really dark place and looking for help was pretty like um, confusing and I don't know where to start. I don't know who to talk to. As an athlete, you always talk to like, you're always told like not to show your weaknesses. 
And it was just a complete mess where um, I just wasn't happy with myself. I was so unhappy with myself. And when you're someplace that dark and that deep, um, you start getting these intrusive thoughts, which I was getting. And at one point I started thinking about um, taking my own life and even got to a point where I um, made an attempt to do so. And the only thing that got me like to not was like thinking about my younger siblings and like thinking, you know, being an older sibling, I like can't do this because of them and I need to keep going. I need to show face. Um, so I had to like thank them um, for, you know, just, being in my life and whatnot um, and like being a tool to like keep going. And if you think about it, like, you know, I'm 19 years old and, or 20 years old, like I'm still a child and like you get thrown into like having all these uh, responsibilities and these tasks and everything just came tumbling down on me, you know, first question of who I was. And then like, since I can even answer that, everything around me started crumbling as well. It's like the foundation of who I was, was like falling like and crumbling beneath me. Um, you know, I miss being that like geek, that nerdy kid that I was. I didn't always want to be like this confident person because that's not who I was. You know, I'm actually quite anxious in social settings. I don't like being in big groups. Um, I like to have like downtime and not be like a, a socialite that like most people found me as. Um, it got to a point where I was neglecting my practices. I was neglecting my schoolwork. Um, I didn't know who to ask for help. My you know, coach at the time was just confused as much as I was, but I couldn't really just like open my mouth and explain because I'd never gotten to a point where I would like express my emotions and especially how I was feeling. And like I said, you're 20 years old and, you know, you don't know where to go to. You don't know who to talk to. Sure, there's like resources on campus, but, you know, there's always this like um, taboo, right, of, of mental health. And, you know, at the time I'm 20 years old, it's like, oh my God, if you have like, these depressive thoughts or something there's something seriously wrong with you and it's scary it's frightening oh my god it's so frightening we're gonna take a quick break and we'll get back to andrew in a moment i'd like to take a second to talk about morgan's message without whom this podcast would not be possible Morgan's message was founded in July of 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved daughter, sister, and fiercely loyal friend. Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. We aim to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence, and supporting those who feel alone. To get involved, to find out more, or to just follow along, head to morgansmessage.org or find us on Instagram at morgansmessage. Let's get back to Andrew. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I. This is gonna sound weird. Have like a pit in my stomach because I think you explained 
pretty perfectly like what it kind of feels like when the walls come like crashing down around you and you're in a spot that you never envisioned yourself being in and almost like feeling like you're on an island all alone and you have no idea how to ask for a boat yeah. um and you're still caught up in the moment and you're trying to juggle all these things that i didn't even have time to like just get emotional and i think that was the hardest part like it was one thing after another like i need to go to class i need to like do this i need to go to practice and like all at the same time you're you're miserable and you're hurt you're you have so much hurt inside and you just don't know how to express it um and all i wanted to do is just tear up and 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 have someone reach out Luckily, there was a father by the name of Howard Sanders in the fencing community who reached out to me. Um, he made like a few appearances in my life previously. And I, like, I swear to God, like, it's by like a touch of God or something. Um, like he just knew like to reach out to me and knew like I was struggling, even though I gave no reasoning for him to do so. And he was a resource that I, I needed, you know, he was just a, he wasn't a psychologist. He wasn't, you know, um, in like any, that kind of degree as like a doctor or anything, but he got to a point where I was having daily phone calls with him. He would send, send me a text message of affirmations or, or confidence. Um, and, uh, he became one of my like very close uh, mentors and companions and really helped me just, um, get through that junior year. Um, and I really think if it wasn't for him, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know where I would be like right now. Um, he sadly passed away, um, my senior year of the, of, um, the, the winter of my senior year, he was able to defeat cancer three times, but with the medication he was on, it took his, a toll on his body. Um, and I remember the last conversation I had with him and he was talking about, you know, how to keep going and be authentic and just be true to myself. And, you know, that way we'll, you'll always be happy. And there was some, you know, struggle in his voice. I was so caught up with my uh, final exams. Um, you know, he, I said, I'll talk to you soon. And, but little did I know that was the last one I was going to talk to him. Um, when I finished my, and uh, school work and everything. I took my last exam. The first person I wanted to talk to was him, but I realized I couldn't because I got the news like a few days before finishing my final exam. What you know, unfolded, um, and, I, and that was the first time where I completely broke down um, in tears uh, of pain, of gratefulness, and just like beyond kindness of how a stranger can make so much impact in your life, um, and. Um, it was really then when I like thought about mental health at a different glance and, you know, so many of us, especially, you know, student athletes were so affected by it, but we just don't speak about upon it, um, for, you know, whatever reason it is. Um, and it takes one person to like make a crazy, um, difference, impactful difference in your life, um, can be a family member a close person but it can be like in my situation you know someone who just by god just like comes into your life and just makes each day a little better than it was before 
the day before. I'm like tearing up. Um, I, one, I think it's incredible to have someone that like that in your life. And I, I don't really think there are like many accidents when it comes to things like that. Like I'd like to believe there's some guardian angel somewhere who like, you know, sent him your way. Um, But what I love most about that and what you kind of touched on was the, the, the thought of, you know, checking in on others and really being connected to those around you. Um, Even if it's not in a capacity of like diving into, Hey, how's your mental health today? Like, Hey, how's this? But really just being someone of like, Hey, what's going on? How's school? How's that? You know, like keeping it like light checking in kind of, I think even the little things of like calling someone you love, calling someone maybe you're not as close with that you might've been in a past life or whatever it is can make such a difference in their lives. But I also believe that like, I like I feel good when I reach out to my friends and I connect with them you know like I almost like do it like I want to check in on them and see how they're doing but I also know I'm going to feel better knowing that I had a conversation with this person and I'm hearing about their lives like I really think it's like this human connection can be so fulfilling for both sides of the phone both sides of like the you know getting coffee with someone and whatever it looks like um so I'm so glad that you had him in your life at, at that time. And clearly he's made such, such an incredible, you know, impact on you. I, I do want to ask, like you mentioned, you kind of finally broke down and after his passing, like what, what was your healing journey like after that? Like, were you finally able to raise a hand, get help, speak out like I know you said now you were kind of thinking about mental health and in a different way can you chat a little bit about that yeah um um I from then on right after like breaking down um I like promised myself I was going to be on you know this journey of growth like of myself like I wanted to find myself again I wanted to be happy with who I was you know even today you know there are periods where I you know practice you know get practice what you preach and like there are times where like I'm very hard on myself and there's days where um you know I still have this internal pain um but you know there are steps from since then now that like you know help me get like through day to day. Um, after I graduated Penn State, I made this decision to not give up on fencing. And I would go for the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. In that situation, I was living at home at my parents' home. And I made this dedication to just give it all while all my friends were off into the real world making money. Um, and it was a very lonely time. You know. I hung out with my parents. I, you know, my sibling was home. Um, but a lot of people, my like friends in my hometown were off in the real world doing the like, real things. Um, so during that period, I had a lot of time to like reflect and like think about who I wanted to be and, you know, what I resemble and, you know, what kind of impact I want to make. It wasn't easy. 
Um, it's four years of, and including COVID, so much ambiguous space and like uncertainty. Um, but I've learned that like you can't try to live life trying to be perfect. The best you can do is just live life with confidence and freedom. And that's something I, you know, I practice and I preach and I tell all my friends and like those that me, you know, it's not about trying to be perfect. It's, you know, trying to just live life with confidence and freedom. And, you know, say that like a broken record box to my friends. Um, yeah, we have like goals and ambitions. You know, for me, it was like making the Tokyo Games. Um, There's a huge amount of uncertainty if I was going to make and qualify for the Games, right? You made this dedication to like, take away four years of your life and you're living at home, you know, just all, all this uncertainty. Um, and no matter how much you train or what you do to like prepare yourself and try to qualify, you know, life works in mysterious ways and you never know how the outcomes are going to be. I hope I'm answering your question. Or yeah. <laughs> no, I also think I'll add like to your kind of like mantra. I think like what really, really has like helped me and what I try to come back to when I'm like having a lot of anxiety and, and whatnot is like, am I being authentic to myself and like my beliefs? Yeah. And like if I feel like I'm like being truly authentic, it helps like put things at ease, even if it might not be what like someone else believes in. Right. And, and, or like, Oh, did I say something that, you know, yada, yada, but I'm like, if that's truly what I believe and I'm authentic and I'm being kind, then like, let it lie. And I think that's like, like helps bring confidence about when you're like, okay, I'm, I'm myself. I think the harder part is figuring out like, who do you want to be and how do you want to act? And I think that's like, yeah, everyone, everyone's on this, like, I think the journey lasts all life because everyone goes through different phases of their life of like, likes, dislikes, beliefs, disbeliefs. Um, and everyone's constantly fighting themselves, which is a whole nother journey, um, which you've, I feel like you went, you know, you've, you went through like a huge one in college, but you're still every year probably going through your own kind of sorting through like, okay, who, who am I, you know, today, who am I this week? Who am I, who do I want to be and where am I going? Um, which I think is cool. I think that's like, you know, the point of being human is, is being able to have all these experiences and forge connections and learn more about ourselves every single day. Absolutely. Um, and I wish I could tell myself, my younger self, like in high school, before I like molded and try to be like everyone else is like, it's okay to be authentic. There's beauty in being different, doing different things. You know, you don't have to constantly follow the like social norm, you know, um, there's beauty in being authentic and, you know, be on your own path, like you mentioned, right? Um, you know, everyone's on different stages of their life and they're doing different things. Um, and, you know, variety is the spice of life. So, you know, do your own thing. Yeah, yeah do your thing. Um, I feel like we've talked so much about kind of your experiences with mental health, fencing, you're prepping for the Olympics now. What I, what I want to chat about too is your brand that you started. Um called December 12th studios. Can you chat a little yeah. bit about like what that <laughs> is, what we're doing with it, how you came up with the idea? Yeah. So, um, December 12th, 
uh, studios. Uh, December 12th is my birthday. And um, one of my friends, uh, her birthday is on the same day as well. And we're always working on like different creative projects, which is what I do outside of fencing, um, which is like storytelling, different pieces of like authentic people in New York. And so with December 12th Studios, I hope to um, empower people that are doing, you know, being unique and telling their story in their own words and their own way and, you know, trying to break like social norm barriers. Um, it takes a lot of resilience and a lot of faith to do so. Um, Cause when people like see things that are different, uh, it can be a little confusing and people are, you know, quick to um, judge. Right. And so with December 12th studios, I hope to like curate this whole, like, um, storytelling journey of those and just empower the people like i said that are doing different things and just um help their overall well-being that's awesome that's Thanks. amazing um i love it well we are coming up on time which is crazy i feel like i said at the beginning i was like if things go well <laughs> it's gonna fly by and hopefully yeah. it's, you know it's flown by for me um i could chat forever but i like to close out with two closing questions. Um, the first one, and you kind of like touched on this a little bit, but what's like one piece of advice that you have for anyone who is listening that might be kind of struggling or going through it or, you know, watching maybe someone else struggle that you, you wish you had when you were, you know, your junior year going through, going through it. Um, I would definitely say like tap into your emotions. Um, you know, I think something I wish that I could have done was just, you know, release my emotions I was holding internally and just like, you know, cry, you know, when I wanted to and needed to, and I just get caught up in the moment. Um, and just keep going. Things will get better. You know, don't just like sulk or, you know, stay stagnant. Um, you know, wake up in the morning and like, even if you're feeling miserable, brush your teeth being miserable. You don't have to be happy, uh, you know, eat breakfast and like be miserable about that too. Go on your day and be miserable. Um, you know, we're human and we go through different emotions and like just trust the process and like things will get better and you'll never know like what kind of beautiful things will like show up in your life. Like I like to say the best things um, always show up in the most unexpected places. Um, and I hold true to that. So um, just take it day by day and just be kind to yourself, uh, show some self-love, you know, that's something I'm still working on with myself. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Self-love, self-compassion. They're so important. Um, my last question is what are you most grateful for? Just being alive. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, there's, like there's so much beauty in the world and like surrounding yourself with beautiful experiences and beautiful people is like I can't ask for anything more um you know I think a lot of people are so caught up in the moment and trying to like do things that they're like doing in the present um but you know take a step back and just look around and just admire the smallest things around you um and you know, appreciate that that's that's 
Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the mental matchup. I am just so grateful to have had you on and have you, you know, walk through so, so many emotions and talk about your experiences. And it's been awesome to, to be able to interview you and have this conversation. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. thank you to Andrew for coming on the mental matchup and being incredibly vulnerable with the stories, the experiences that he's gone through that he ultimately shared in this episode. I, I'm just so humbled, so humbled, so honored and so grateful. If you want to get in touch with Andrew, you can head to his brand insta at dec12th studios if you want to follow him along keep an eye out for andrew maskovich for paris 2024 fencing um If you are listening and you're thinking, wow, I want to share my story, I want to maybe share it on the podcast or on our written platform, please, please, please reach out, send an email to submission at morgansmessage.org. You can find us on morgansmessage.org under the mental matchup. We would more, we would love to have you, um, we think sharing stories is such an important piece of, you know, managing your mental health and, and therefore everyone's story is so important. Last but not least, thank you to Morgan's message for presenting the podcast. We would not be here without them. If you want to get involved with Morgan's message, if you want to find out more, or you just want to follow along, you can head to morgansmessage.org or find us on Instagram at Morgan's Message. With that, thank you, and I will see you next episode.